Hey, come on, let's get in the, the message here today. We started a series called Foundations uh, a couple weeks back, and we're preaching through the foundational elements of Christianity. And uh, if you're a, a new believer in here today, these are the things that you need to know, you need to hold on to, you need to build your faith on. If you're a believer that's, that's been around a while, right, you've been serving God maybe 10, 20, 30 years, uh, these foundational elements should not be something you left behind. We don't leave them behind. We bring them with us and we help communicate them to others. And so if you're a, if you're a veteran in here, a servant Jesus, uh, you're listening today, you're listening for ways that you can duplicate this message to others, to sit at a coffee table and have uh, a, little, a, little, a little coffee on uh, Tuesday afternoon and be able to communicate the foundational truths of Christianity, what it looks like to be a Christian. You want to be able to model these things. And so, so we believe that it is very important uh, for us to, to know what are the foundational truths, but also to be able to, to communicate those. Now, um, at Northwood, uh, we've said this for a couple of years now, but our goal is to create Christ-centered communities for people to know God, right? We need to know God both intellectually and experientially. We need to grow in Christ. The Bible tells us again and again to mature, to grow up in Christ. And then we also are told in the Bible to go, right? To go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do this until Jesus returns. And so that's our mission statement here at Northwood. But it's also, it's a, it's a good model for us to, to grow as believers in Christ. We should be growing up and going to a lost and dying world. And so we're, we're, preaching through. We've talked about justification. We've talked about sanctification, a couple of legal terms, right, in the Bible that, uh, that are legal, legal concepts in Christianity that help us to understand how we got saved and what we're doing as we're saved. Today, we're going to dive into the Bible. As a matter of fact, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about the Bible. And uh, this week, it's more on the authority of the Bible and also some of the function of the Bible. And then next week, we're going to get into a little more of the authenticity of the Bible, get, get into some history next week. So why do we need to know this, right? Why do we need to know? Well, the Bible is our document. It is what we consider as believers to be the words of God. We call it the word of God, but it's the very words of God translated through men to us. And we live by these words. It's the owner's manual, as it were. It's how to do this. How do we live as Christians? And so we need to understand some things about the Bible as believers, or, or when you're challenged, when you're challenged about what you've given your life to, you have nothing to stand on, right? It'll just topple you over. If someone on TikTok says, you know, yeah, I read the Bible once until I found out it wasn't true, and all of a sudden, you're like sideways, like, oh my gosh, the Bible's not true, unless you have some truth to live on. And so today, we hope to establish some of that in, in our lives. Most Christians do believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, most do, but some wonder, some wonder. And, and you know, I, I used to think it was just a young person thing, you know, young people or questioning. But you know, I've run into a lot of older Christians that are like, you know, I've, I've kind of started wondering lately, is the Bible true? Well, why is it accurate? I was talking to someone recently, and um, they were talking about some things they'd seen on YouTube about the Bible, and, and I'm not against YouTube. I, I look at, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a junkie, man. I like, I like information, and I, and I like learning, right? I'm a learning junkie, and, and so, I, but I know, I know, I've I, I, been a Christian long enough or read the Bible many times through, many times through. And I know when I see something that's like, ah, no, I don't think so. 
and, and I'm able to reject it, but not everybody is. And so this person was telling me some things about Moses and in the Bible and, and questioning, you know, the authenticity of Moses and, and, and they were kind of going down this rabbit hole. And you, know, you know what a rabbit hole is? Anybody, anybody know what a rabbit hole is? Modern term, it means to deep dive on a subject and, and you, know, you get down to that rabbit hole and you're like, uh-oh, you know, I'm kind of going too far here. Or, or maybe I want to go further. Your curiosity did kill the cat. I, I do believe that. Um, but, but then I ask them a simple question about Moses. And they're like, oh, you know, I, well, I, didn't, I didn't know what the Bible said about Moses. I just knew what the YouTube video said about Moses. And gosh, and this wasn't a brand new Christian. This was someone who's been a veteran, you know. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's why we're teaching this. Because you, you don't want to know more from YouTube than you know from the Bible, the Word of God. And so from the beginning of time, we see, reading the Bible in the book of Genesis and the very first chapters, God walked with Adam and Eve. They had a pure, innocent relationship. There was no shame. There was, they, they, they were... They were they were connecting with God on deep levels, and they knew God, and God knew them. You would think that's the perfect, if we, we, sometimes we think, if only I could have that relationship with God, right? That was that close to God, and we think, if I was that close to God, I wouldn't stumble and fall. Yet, yet we read in the Bible, and we see Adam and Eve, there they were, close to God, and all of a sudden, the serpent, the Bible says, which represents Satan, comes slithering into the garden, um, and he, he confronted them, and he, he said something along the lines of, did God really say that? Did God really say that? You know, he's doing the same thing today in modern times to each one of us. He's challenging us. Come on, did God really say that? I mean, that Bible, can I, Angela, do me a favor. Hand me my paper Bible there. I need a visual. It's, it's on that next shelf. This is what he's doing. He, he's, he's, he's saying, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. This, this old document, come on. That was good for your great-grandparents. I mean, who even, who even believes this stuff anymore? Come on, man. Did God really say? You know, there are so many, this is what he says, there are so many contradictions in this thing. How can you believe it? You know, these guys, they just gave their opinions. Or, you know, this wasn't even written until long after other people had written the same stories. They were just copying them. You know, some of you on TikTok, you know I, everything I'm saying now is right in your face all the time, in your algorithms. The serpent is still questioning the authenticity and the authority of this book, of the Word of God today. And if you don't know, what this word represents, and you don't know what it says, you're going to lean that way. Doubt is going to enter in, and it's going to undermine everything about your walk with God. When we sang that song, come alive in the name of Jesus, you're going to question the very meaning of that song, what, what we're singing. There. You're going to question the authority of the word of God. You're going to question the authority of Jesus. And you're like, well, you know, I don't know if that, that's really true. When the Bible says, by his stripes, you are healed. Do you believe that? Some do. Even in this room, some of you question that. Because you don't understand the authority of the word of God. And the authority of Christ. 
And you, you know, so you question those things. And so, so we, we need to lean into this idea of understanding where the Bible come from. What does it mean? Why, do we, why is it important in our lives? The enemy is still spreading seeds of doubt in our lives. And the, the life we live as Christians, is it hinges on the authenticity and the authority of the Word of God on the Bible. It's kind of like Jenga. Anybody ever played Jenga? The Jenga game, the little blocks. When you stack them up, you got the Tower of Jenga. If you pull out, fresh stack, right? You pull out that bottom piece on the side, that whole Jenga thing is going to topple. You don't start there, right? You start closer to the top, bumping little pieces out. But if you pull out that bottom piece, and that's what, if you don't have the Word of God, it's like pulling out that bottom Jenga piece, and the whole idea of Christianity topples. It all falls over. The Bible is a foundational piece of Christianity. Uh, theologian Wayne Grudem says the authority of the scripture means that all of the words in scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. Well, that's heavy. You believe that? Some do. Some do. Some don't, they don't have an understanding enough to do that. But that's where we're headed. That's our desire. So how do we know the Bible is God's word? Good question, right? How do we know the Bible is God's word? Let me start with a scripture. And I'm honestly, I'm, I cannot teach you everything I need to today. But we have in the past. We did a What, what Do You Believe uh, sermon series a few years ago. And we started out way ahead of where we're starting today. We started out with, with does God exist, right? Because if you don't understand that part, if you don't understand God exists, then understanding Jesus is God, understanding the, the Bible is from you know, God, it, 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 it won't stack up. We can't start there, but let me encourage you. If, you, if, you do, if you're questioning whether God exists, go back and watch our What Do You Believe series from a couple years ago. It's on our website, and, and it'll, it'll download to you uh, some truths about God's very existence, the very essence of God. But we're going to fast forward, and I'm going to bring it. I'm going to start with a place that you're a believer, Karen, you're a believer, and you believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Okay, I'm going to start from that reference. Some of you aren't there yet. You're going to catch up, but that's where we're going to start today so that we can track through this. Uh, but with that, I'm going to use a scripture to kind of kick us off here. John chapter 1, New Testament, John chapter 1, the first few verses says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, the Word, and the Word, capital W, Word, was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, the Word was God. Two different aspects of the Word. And He was in the beginning with God. This is the way John starts his gospel. Jumping to verse 14, it continues and says, And the Word became flesh. So the capital W Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that Word that became flesh? That's right. We, we understand from reading the Bible that that Word, capital W Word, became flesh, and that is Jesus and we have seen his glory. We've seen, right? We've seen mankind has seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Okay, here we are connecting dots now. That is Jesus we're talking about, full of grace and full of truth. Father, help us today. Help us today, Father. We need to see. We need clarity. Father, would you help us by your Holy Spirit? Would you reveal to us some truth today that helps us to live our lives on the foundation of the truth of the Word of God. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We see from this scripture that Jesus existed in eternity past, right before time began, uh, which as believers we believe time 
as we know it, began 6,000 years ago. That's not to say time as God knows it didn't exist for eternity past, but time as we know it. And before that demarcation point, right, of when time began for us, well, Jesus existed prior to that. He existed all the way back as far as you can go in eternity past. We see that from in the beginning. We see that from the Scripture, as well as that He is literally the very Word of God. Jesus is, we said it, the Word of God, the capital W, Word of God. So we need to look at, I mean, if we're going to buy into that, I believe we should, what, what does the word, word, mean? Well, the word, word, you're tracking with that? <laughs> the word, word, capital W, word, is a Greek word used in the New Testament's logos, logos, or as some would say, logos. Logos is the revealed Word of God. Now watch this, the revealed Word of God. You don't know what's in my hands, I revealed it to you. Did you see it? Revealed, Word of God, a revelation, Word of God. It's closed, we didn't see it, then we saw it. It's the revealed Word of God, Logos. It is a revelation of God's truth to mankind. It is a revelation of God's message. He has a message for us to mankind. It is a revelation of God's plan to man. It is also a revelation of His promises. His promise as well as His promises. There's more to come. Now, God's Word, Logos, is the expressed, or you could say the manifest will of God. You ever heard somebody talk about the will of God? The will of God. What's the will of God? I guess you could say, the, what is the desire of God? What, what, is the, what is the goal of God? The Word of God that became flesh the Word of God is the express will of God. The Word of God is also the very mind of God. You want to you know the mind of God? He's given it to us right here. What He wants us to know, He's given it all to us. What is the mind of God or the thoughts of God? What is the, what is the power of God? The, in the New Testament, the, word, uh, the Greek word that's used is exousia. Exousia is the Greek word used in the Greek and is most often translated as the word authority. Exousia, authority or the power of God. It can also be thought of as in terms of jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, the word lays out the authority, which is the jurisdiction. What's the authority of God? We need to know the, the realms of the authority of God, don't we? Well, if we're going to believe that God is authoritative, we need to know what is, where the realms of His authority lie. And we find that in the very Word of God. Ultimately, the physical manifestation of God, something we could see, who we know is Jesus, we know who, who is the revelation of God to all mankind, the physical manifestation of God is the Word, capital W, Word. Jesus is the Word. So if we believe that, that Jesus is the Word, then how do we know that the Bible is the Word? Okay, you've you got to track with me here, all right? This is foundational, but it, it's very important. We know that Jesus is the Word, and the Word became flesh and walked among us, and then we believe as believers that He gave us His Word. This Word, not this piece of paper and this leather binding it, but what's in it. The words on these pages that come alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe these are the Word 
singular, of God. And they are full of words to us as mankind. Thoughts, instructions, revelations, promises, plans, all those things. We believe that, but they're synonymous. These words represent the word. They're synonymous. They're one. They're not separate. They're not, let me say it this way, and some of you are going to have to think about this. It's not the English translation that's sacred, but it's what, what's behind them. This, the words of God, the word of God was given to us in Hebrew, Old Testament, given to us in Greek and New Testament. And then it was translated, it was actually Latin for a little while, it was translated into different versions. You've got a King James version of the words that were given to us. You've got the NIV and the New King James amplified, and you've also got the Spanish version, and you've got the, 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 the Arabian version. There's lots and lots of versions that came from it. It's not the words. Don't, don't get caught up in split hairs and, you know, well, well, why does this Bible say a false witness shall perish, and then another Bible says, and, and you read it from a different translation, and they, oh, they're contradictory. No, it's what's behind these words. The word is behind these words. And as believers, we believe that. But why do we believe that? Number one, we believe the Bible contains, right? The Bible contains the words and deeds of Jesus. Specifically, we know, let's get practical, the red letters, right? You got red letters in your Bible, I hope. Come on. <laughs> so when, some of you are like, I don't even own a paper Bible. I'm, I'm 26 years old. I do everything on my phone, right? Okay. Hopefully on your phone, there's some red letters. But we know, I mean, as a practical example, that the red letters are the words and deeds of Jesus, right? I mean, we'll start there. Whom remember, we believe Jesus is God. So the words of God then are right here. The Bible contains the words and deeds of God, at least, at least in the red letters, because that's the words and deeds of Jesus. You're tracking with me? Number two, since we believe that Jesus is God and we believe that his words and deeds are in the Bible, then we must believe that the words that are in the Bible contain the authority of God. Does that make sense? Logic, right? So the words and deeds of Jesus that are written in the Word, because he's God, contain the authority of God. Number three, since we believe that Jesus is God and that he has all authority, right, then we also believe that his words are authoritative. They don't just have authority. Like, you know, you know, Todd, you have a badge, but you also have something that goes with that badge. Power. Power that can execute. Not people, but be executed, right? You can, you can arrest people. You can... You can take people to court, things like that, because there's something not, it's not just the badge. Look, look at my authority. It's what you can do with that. It's authoritative. Jesus, we believe, he is God, and his words are recorded. And those words, because we know they're from God and they are God's words, they are not only his authority, they are authoritative. Consequently, everything in the Bible, everything Jesus said about the Bible, and everything Jesus said in the Bible are authoritative. So the Word of God is authoritative. The authority of the Bible rests squarely upon the authority of Jesus Christ Himself. We believe Jesus is God. We believe He has all authority. These are His words. 
And that means this is authoritative in our lives as believers. Jesus affirms the authority of both the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? As well as the authority of the Old Testament. And then we know the Gospels, that's Jesus' words. We read in here, and Jesus said, right? And so I, 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 we know that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know Jesus said. We know that's Jesus speaking, so Jesus is God. He has authority. These words are authoritative in our lives. But also in the Gospels, Jesus affirms the Old Testament. So everything before, you know, the first part of the Bible, that part, that stuff you hardly ever read, right? Because there's no red letters back there. Jesus didn't say it. Stuff you hardly ever read because there's like blood sacrifice and if a, if a man lies with a woman, let's get to the exciting. No, no, those parts Jesus affirmed as well. They have authority and they are authoritative in our lives. An interesting story. This is Jesus after he was both crucified and he had risen from the tomb, and he showed up on the road with some, some disciples. They were walking down the road, and he sh- showed up. He can do that, right? And he showed up, and he walked with them for a little while. It's called the road to Emmaus. Some of you have read this story. And he gets to this place with them, this inn, and, uh, or maybe one of their homes, and he sits down, and it says when they, they broke bread, it, 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 was a, it was a very interesting moment there. But he, it says this in Luke 24, uh, the storylines in Luke 24 and verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Watch this. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? They were questioning whether or not, why did he have to get crucified? And verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's this front half of the Bible, y'all. That's the front half. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, so we believe. Uh, The prophets all through here. Beginning with Moses, throughout the prophets, all the way through the Old Testament, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus affirmed the Old Testament. In words for today's sermon, he brought his authority or made them authoritative in our lives as believers. Jesus affirmed the Gospels. He affirmed the Old Testament. Ray Stedman, a pastor and theologian, says, We need only to read the New Testament to see that the Lord Jesus cast the mantle of His authority over all of the Old Testament and by anticipation over all of the New Testament. So how do we know that the rest, all right, so we've got the red letters in the New Testament. We've already said they, they have the authority of God because Jesus, Jesus' works, right? He cast his mantle of authority over all the Old Testament. So we got that part done. But now we've got the rest of the New Testament here, starting in the book of Acts. And so how do we know that the rest of the New Testament, let me get to it here. Okay, here we go. Are authoritative in our lives as believers. The words of the apostles, who recorded many of the books here that we have here in the New Testament. They're called epistles, by the way. Some people think the word epistles is referring to the apostles' wives. That's not true. Um, they're the letters. Epistle is a letter. But these letters, many of them were written. As a matter of fact, I want to put this chart up. Go ahead, uh, Colin, and put that little chart up for me. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be so helpful, y'all. Watch this. Okay. So these are all the New Testament books here. Jesus, who we believe is God, has all authority and he passed on to, let's start over here, Matthew, Jude, and James. Now, Matthew walked with him. 
So he was first-hand witness, and he recorded what he saw. So he has the authority of Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. Now go, now go, in my authority, now go and make disciples, right? And that's exactly what Matthew did. He wrote it down, what he saw firsthand. Now, Jude and James also saw firsthand. Most theologians agree and believe that James is the brother of, of Matthew. If you go look back, I don't have the scripture reference. If you go look back in the Gospels, though, it talks about Mary, Jesus's mother. After Jesus was born, she had more kids. And so she's not a virgin anymore, by the way, if you're Catholic, just go read the Bible. But, but James was one of those. And then Jude was one of those. Get that. Did you know the book of Jude, the book right before the book of Revelation? Did you know that, Jason, that that's Jesus's brother? You knew that, see? I didn't even know that until recently. And you knew that. So Jude, also known as Judas, but not the Judas, the other Judas. All right, so we got firsthand witnesses. They were there. They saw it. John, John was there. He saw it. He saw everything happen. And then he, in the authority of Jesus, wrote to us, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, as well as uh, the, the gospel of John, right? And then that, that we just read out of. And then also the revelation of John, the, 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 the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible. So John, under the authority of Jesus, wrote these books. Peter was there. He saw it happen. He wrote two letters. It's, it's, it's all he personally gets credit for. Two letters called First Peter, Second Peter, later uh, epistles in the New Testament. He also, Peter had a disciple, John Mark, Mark here, which most, again, most theologians agree was the same John Mark that walked with Paul, probably a first cousin to Barnabas. Y'all, some of y'all are loving this. Some of y'all are like your head spinning, right? So Mark, his Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Mark was written by Mark, who was a disciple of Peter, firsthand account, authority given from Jesus to Peter. Mark wrote down Peter's account. So I don't know what it was. Maybe Peter got arthritis, you know, and couldn't write. But for some reason, we'll find out one day, Mark wrote it down for him. Mark also had lots of influence on Paul. He ran with Paul for a little bit, then he quit, quit, then he got back with Paul. But Paul, in Galatians 1, it tells us, Paul says, you know, as one born out of season, you know, we got the apostles, right? And then there's me. Like, I wasn't there, but I got a personal revelation. As we read the, read the writings of Paul, Paul is the only one we know of in recorded history that's ever been into the third heaven. Whole nother sermon for another day. But yes, some of you are like YouTube in it right now, third heaven. So, but he, he got, got to be in the very presence of God firsthand, got the downloads. We see a lot of the New Testament, almost half the New Testament, written by Paul, who had a personal experience with Jesus. Again, we're talking about authority. Are you all with me now? Authority. And so all of these books, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, letters to Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and, and Hebrews is attributed to Paul. Whether he did it or not, we think he did, but it's all there. Paul writing in the authority directly from Jesus. And then we got Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? And John, one of the Gospels. Luke did not walk with Jesus that we know of. However, he ran with Paul and would have experienced a lot of influence from the other apostles. But he downloaded from Paul his revelation, which is a recording. You read Luke, it's pretty cool. He went and gathered all the information. He was like, he was like your researcher guy, and he researched hard, and he got all the stories, aggregated them together, and put it out, a clear gospel. And he also wrote the book of Acts, which is a recording of the Acts of the Apostles post-Christ's resurrection. A lot of words there to say that the entire New Testament was written to us 
in the authority of Jesus Christ. In the authority of Jesus Christ. We believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And therefore, we believe it functions as a reliable truth for our lives and a gift to all people. As a believer who has been saved, right, justified, and I'm walking out my salvation, God has given me His authoritative word to direct me as I walk out my salvation. His word is a light or lamp into my feet, into my path, to keep me on the straight and narrow, to keep me on the road. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, this is, this is for Mike, but every time I've been in the ditch, right, off the path, in the ditch, it's because I wasn't using my flashlight. I was not using the lamp into my feet and the light to my path. And I believe that is true for you too. If you ever come sit in my office and do counseling, and I've sat with many of you, whether it's personal counseling, marriage counseling, parenting counseling, whatever, at some point in the conversation, we're going to talk about that. Is it possible that your marriage is sideways because you have not been using the light unto your path, the lamp to your feet, the Word of God, the authoritative Word of God? We believe that everything we need as believers, everything we need as men and women is provided for us right here in the Word of God. It is God's authority, authoritative in our Christian walk. Have I said that enough times? I know, that's a trick question, right? Can't say it enough. So if that's true, and we believe that it is, what is the function? What is the function of the Word of God? As a believer, what is the function of the Word of God? What is this Bible? And it does many things. And I'm going to give you four practical things. As a believer, you need to know these things. First of all, these scriptures reveal Jesus. We kind of touched on that, but I'm going to dial in on that. These scriptures reveal Jesus. So just like everything in our solar system, and our solar system revolves around the sun, everything as believers, as Christians, revolves around Jesus. Everything. This Word of God is all about Jesus. This Word of God is not about you. It's not a history lesson about some dude named Abraham, Moses, Isaac, whatever. It's not, though they're in there, this is, a, this, is a, this is a story of Jesus from beginning to end, cover to cover. In every book of the Bible, Jesus is revealed. Uh, I, I like this, this idea right here. Jesus is the creator and the promised redeemer. He's the Passover lamb and the high priest. Jesus is the commander of the armies of heaven, and he is the kinsman redeemer. Jesus is the prophet and the returning king. He is the mediator between God and man, the suffering servant, the weeping Messiah, the judge of all people. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the God in. He is God in the flesh. And many, many more things found in the Word of God. So this, this Word of God reveals to us Jesus. I, I believe, and, and most, most theologians believe, most Christians believe this. That at the end of your life, when all said and done, there's really only going to be one question. It's not going to be how much money did you make and then how many people did you, did you uh, influence. It's, it, those, those are important things. You know. It's not going to be, you know, uh, did you make a lot of mistakes or not a lot of mistakes. It's not going to be how much sin did you commit and, or how good were you. One question and one question only. What did you do? With Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? Because everything in this life as a human being 
is summed up in that question. What did you do with Jesus? Did you reject him? Did you, did you run with him from afar, if that's possible? Did you just kick the tires your whole life? Or did you give your life to Jesus? Did you surrender to the authority of Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? And the words in this word reveal to us Jesus. You know, Keith, I got saved at Pass Road Baptist Church around 32 years ago. Uh, Edgar Jackson was the pastor. Chris, I was sitting about right there where you were, but it was a little bit bigger room, but I was sitting on the end of about the third row from the back, and uh, I was there with, with somebody, um, and I don't know what was preached that day. I don't know what songs were sang, but I know that as the service progressed, something was gripping my heart. Something was, something was pulling me, and I literally remember putting my hands on the, it was pews, uh, putting my hands on the, 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 the pew in front of me at some point and squeezing so hard, like I felt like something was fixing to suck me up out of that seat and throw me up in front of the pastor. I was holding on so hard. And at the end of the service, the pastor, um, he said, everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. And, and we did. And I was there and I was white knuckling that pew. And I, and I, was, I was holding on tight. And all of a sudden, I heard him say, son, look at me. <laughs> There's 300 plus people in that room. <laughs> and Chris, I looked up. Again, I was sitting about right there, way, way far away from him, right? I'm telling you what, his, his finger was an inch from my nose. And it wasn't like I was the only lost person in the room either, right? Other people got saved that day. But, but I was dialed in, man. And when I looked up and I saw his finger, like right there, <laughs> Jesus gripped me, and God's love for me was exposed to me in an instant. And I let go of that pew, and I stood up, and I ran to the front of that church, and I fell, collapsed on the stairway, which was referred to as the altar, but stairs. And I can't tell you the details of what happened next, but I want to tell you something. That moment, that experience, it was all about Jesus. And my sins were released, lifted off of me. I, I literally floated back because I, I remember feeling like I'm so light. But all my sin was gone. I had experienced Jesus. Guys, the scriptures revealed Jesus to us. I walked out of that place that day. You want to hear something? Now, this is a little commercial break here because I'm, I'm expounding on this. I didn't plan this. But I walked out of there. Chris, I, I did that. Went back to my seat. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember this. I felt light, like my sins were gone. I walked out of there to my car, floating, as it were, you know, almost, but because it felt like that. And before my hand touched my handle of my car. And I didn't know this at the time, Chris, but I know it now today because I know, I know, I watch this happen all the time. Before my handle, Keith, you remember that parking lot? Before my handle hit the, sorry, my hand hit the handle of that car to open the car door, the serpent was whispering in my ear. The serpent was whispering in my ear. That's not real. That's not real. 
There's no such thing as God. That's, you're not saved. He was whispering in my ear. I had to fight that, y'all. And I didn't know what to do with that, but I pressed through that. And I came back next week. And, but I got home, and I, I dug this Bible out. I'm sorry, it wasn't this Bible. It was a Bible like this. I noticed this Bible is actually blank up here. This is a, a Bible I bought later. In my office right now, there's the Bible that I went home and picked up 32 years ago. And I began to read. And I want to tell you what, everything was different. Oh, I had grown up in church and, you know, all the flannel graphs of this is Moses and this is Noah. I remember all that too. But the words were alive. I was seeing them different. And I couldn't put all the terminology with it all back then, but I know now the Holy Spirit was there and He was revealing, revealing, revealing. He was revealing to me Jesus as I read the Word of God. And I couldn't stop. And I began, I began reading. I read hours a day. I was consuming the Word of God. And I did this again and again and again. For literally, and I, I'm not saying this is normal or what you should have done. I'm really weird, I know. But, but I did this for a long time, like for over a year. I couldn't stop. I was consuming, consuming, consuming the truths of the Word of God. And all I could see was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The Scriptures revealed Jesus. Maybe that's not your experience, but I get that. And it, and it doesn't need to be. It doesn't have to be. But I want to tell you what. You want to know Jesus, it's right here, y'all. It's in the Word of God. If you don't read the Word of God, you don't know Jesus. You can't get Jesus on YouTube. You can get what some people say about him, yeah, and that's okay sometimes, but you've got to get this to get Jesus. John 5, 39 says, you search the Scripture. This is Jesus talking to us. He's talking to people. And he's saying, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the Scriptures, the very Scriptures you're searching, trying to find eternal life, that bear witness of me, Jesus said. They all talk about Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So number two, the Scripture, the Word of God, builds character in us. Very practical here. By reading your Bible regularly, you open your life up to God to prune out parts of your life that make room for growth. God prunes those He loves. As you read the Word of God, as you study the very Word and authority, the authoritative Word of God, as you do that, it prunes things out of your life. Character flaws, right? Things you shouldn't be doing. They sin, sin nature, sin um, leanings, and, and you're walking out your salvation. We know this word picture. You're walking out your salvation, and you get in the ditch. Holy Spirit's like, come on, get back up on the street, get back up on the road. And he's pruning things, making room for growth, and we grow from our experiences. Uh, someone once said, and I've said this to many of you lately, so uh, humor me here, but someone once said there's no such thing as failure. There's either success or growth. Success or growth. Every time we stumble and fall, it's not failure. It's an opportunity to grow. And the Holy Spirit guides us back and we grow. We mature by the leading of the Word of God. John 15, 1-4 says, I am the true vine. Jesus says to us today, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He what? Come on, should we pray that prayer right now? Jesus, would you prune me? Come on, who won't, who's willing? Who's in? Jesus, would you prune me? It's like, oh, oh it's a trick question. <laughs> He's going to do it anyway. You don't have to pray it. He prunes those he loves who, who do bear fruit. Doing good, y'all. Producing fruit. Here comes the pruning shears. 
No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. That it may bear more fruit. He uses the word of God to do that. The word of God is the pruning shears, y'all, in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And here he comes. Got to turn it up right. Here he comes, and he's pruning. We're producing fruit because we're in, we're, in, we're, in we're in the branch. We're in the vine. We're producing fruit, and then we read this and go, hmm, I got this. I got it. Okay, okay, Lord. And he prunes us. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Knowing Christ comes from knowing the Word, and that is abiding in Him and will produce much fruit. Number three, the Scriptures bring spiritual maturity. We've mentioned this earlier, but as Christians, we should be experiencing growth in righteousness. You should be growing in righteousness. You should be growing in righteousness. Come on, somebody say, I should be growing in righteousness. If you, now, now I'm, going to say this, I'm going to say this respectfully here, but if you, I've got I to make sure I've got to say this. I've heard, I've heard a lot of people over the years say this, and maybe you've said this, and I'm not picking on you, because I don't, I, don't, I don't mean this personally, but I've, I've heard people say, you know, I think I'm going to go try out a new church. And if the Lord's leading you, look, we hold people like this, so that's not what I'm saying here. But a lot of people say, you know, I'm not getting fed. And I used to take that personal. Like, like, well, I need to do a better job. I need to do a better job. But, but over the years, the Holy Spirit's helped me. And He's helped me to see this. And this, not to be critical, but just to help you. If you're not getting fed... If you're sitting here today and you're not getting fed, it ain't because the word is not going out. You've got to open your Bible, y'all. And if, if you can't open your Bible and get fed, it's more of an indictment of your relationship with Christ than it is about the preacher's ability to preach the Bible. There are a lot of people in churches that well, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the best preacher, but their preachers are not preaching what you're hearing, and yet those people are growing. <laughs> those people are growing. It doesn't hinge on the eloquence of the preacher. It hinges on the relationship between you and the Word. And you should be growing. You should be alive because spiritual maturity comes to those who are on the right path. Hebrews 5.12 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have to personalize this, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles and the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word, the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Trained in the Word of God. A skilled believer who has read His Word, who knows His Word, who wields the sword of the Word in everyday circumstances. Tearing down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Coming at you in your life. Lies and untruths. The enemy's still whispering. 
He's still a serpent. He's still crawling around. He's looking, he's looking for those that he can deceive. And we have to have the word in us. Last thing, the scriptures impart faith. As a matter of fact, worship team, y'all come on up. We're going to do one more song. The scriptures impart faith. Um, this word of God, when you open it and you pray, Holy Spirit, some of y'all need to do this. Let's wait for the team to get out of the way. They're distracting you. I know they are. Some of you need to do this tomorrow. You need to go and, and open the Word of God. And, and I don't care if it's digital or paper, whatever is good for you, whatever works for you, whatever works for you, right? It's got to work for you. You open your Word of God, and you, before you read it, you pray, and you say, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand? Help me to see Jesus in the pages of my Bible. Help me to process that. Help me, Holy Spirit. Teach me, right? He is the teacher. He's the helper. He will remind you of everything Jesus said, everything that's in the Word of God. And if you will read the words in that context, it will build your faith. It will build your faith. Kind of like going to the gym, Justin. You know, Justin's a, a, a personal trainer, and um, people come to you, and you cannot guarantee that they will get stronger. But you can give them everything they need to get stronger. The Word of God will give you everything you need to get stronger in your faith. You've got to do the work. You put it in, and the Holy Spirit will help you understand it. Then you'll go live it out, right? Walk it out, and it will build your faith. Your faith will get stronger. Your understanding of God will get stronger. Romans tells us in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing, reading, hearing, processing the very Word of God and hearing through the Word of Christ. Hearing through the Word of Christ. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the reliability of the Bible, where did it come from, these guys that wrote it, all that. But I want you to practice something this week. I want you to practice something this week. Can I give you some homework, Marshall? Can I have permission to give you some homework? And many of you already do this, but I, for those of you that don't, I want you to open the Bible this week. I want you to read the Bible this week. I want you to go after God this week in the Bible whether it's paper or digital, I want you to open the Bible and I want you to pray that prayer. God, would you, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus today to me? What is this that I'm reading? Is it, what is it saying about God? What is it saying about me and what do I need to do with this? What does it say about God? What does it say about me and what do I need to do with this? Let's try that. Let's experience God this week in the Word of God. And now that we've kind of laid it out, Let's let his authority impact our lives. You know, if you believe, if I believe you're a police officer, Todd, if I see the badge, the gun, emphasis on the gun, the handcuffs, the flashlight, or whatever it may be, if I see that and I hear your words saying stop, or I hear your words saying, you know, turn around, put your hands on the car. I've never heard those words, but if I did... I would be inclined to do it. I'm sure I would have some doubts. Is this guy faking? You know, is this a setup? You know, because that's what the enemy does. But if I would respond properly and obey the authority, the process will work out. It's the same with Christ. We read the word, we hear the word. We have the opportunity to put it to practice, to obey the word. We 
do that, our faith grows. We get stronger in Christ. And when the enemy comes back and he slithers up there and he tells you something that's not true about yourself or about your kids or about your life or about Jesus, you're able to say, not today, Satan. Oh, no, because the Word of God says, because the Word of God says, and I believe the Word of God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, Father, we, we, we do thank you for revealing yourself to us, giving us hope that this life isn't all there is, and our ability to navigate this life is not something we have to rely on. We, we trust in you. We trust in your word. We pray today, and I pray with everyone here today, God, that your word would begin to come alive to us. And even for those who are here, that maybe things have become a little stale, I pray today, Father, that some new life would come as we open the word of God. We seek Jesus. God, that the joy of the Lord would return to us. God, that we would know you and be known by you. And this life would matter. That we would live for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name. Come on, nobody's looking around right now. Let me take just a moment. There may be some of you here today that you don't know Jesus, but here he is today and you're in church and he's drawing you. He's drawing you. He's revealing to you his love. Just like I said earlier to Chris, he's... he's beginning to draw you and maybe there's something going on inside of you and you don't understand but you feel God's here he's drawing you and he is and he wants you to know he loves you you need to hear that he loves you he's not mad at you but he is madly in love with you and he wants you to receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus provided for you on the cross of Calvary the Bible says this if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and you confess them with your mouth that you would be saved so I want to help you with that right now. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you and God's drawing you, I want you to just pray something to God. Just pray something like this. I'm going to help you. Just pray something like this. Say, Lord in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. I ask you to come live inside of me and teach me to know you. Teach me to love your word. Tell him this, say, I give you all of me, Jesus, and I receive all of you in Jesus' name.